With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I cannot believe we pulled that damn game out last night. I know. No, no, put it back. I'm not giving you a full soda before bed. You are getting ready to go to bed before too long. You are not having a soda before bed. Don't you mean a pop? Might as well just go get you an eight ball of Coke. God. <laughs> well, there's our cold open. <laughs> For the Travis. record, that was me talking to my six-year-old. <laughs> well, oh, we know. It's going to be, the cold open is going to be Travis threatening his kid with cocaine. <laughs> He's Colombian. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> and Liz from the living room just heard that last part, and she goes, "What? <laughs> what you say about Colombia?" I'm getting you popcorn, Dylan. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> why? Why am I? Has become a spectator sport now of me making popcorn and drinking a soda in my kitchen. I have an audience. <laughs> All right, and the Niners are taking a knee now that that large passing play was neglected. All right. We're tied at 10-10. Welcome to the Hammer and Rails Basketball Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the Hammer and Rails Basketball Podcast. We are doing a quickie podcast here at halftime of some other minor sporting event that is going on this weekend, especially on a Sunday night in early February where nothing really happens. Uh, with me tonight uh, is Juan making an appearance uh, under duress and under protest from SB Nation, but they cannot stop him from podcasting. How are you, Juan? I'm good. Well, I mean, podcasting is going to be my only source of money after March, so maybe we should just do more podcasts so I can make more money. Maybe that's what we'll do. But then again, that means editing podcasts and recording them and listening to you more often. So <laughs> I don't think I don't know if they pay me enough for that. As you heard in our cold open, uh, all hell broke loose in my kitchen. 
<laughs> with my with my son uh, demanding popcorn and soda at almost eight o'clock at night, which is a wonderful idea. But uh, we're not here to talk about my home life. We're here to talk about Purdue basketball. Who this? This is what happens when a white boy tries to cook. Yeah, exactly. It, well, it was Cub Scout popcorn, so I know Cub Scout popcorn, man. Oh, you really know how to press those buttons, huh? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk Purdue basketball, and uh, as you no doubt know, it has been an up and down season. Capped off last night. Well, the season wasn't capped off, but last night's incredible comeback at Northwestern, which I must admit that with about three minutes to go, as you saw in my game wrap, I was ready to walk away. The season was basically over at that point if Purdue loses to Northwestern. I just don't see how we could have recovered and still made the NCAA tournament. Lo and behold, a couple of Eric Hunter baskets, a Trevian Williams free throw, a three-pointer by one-sixteenth of an inch by Jihad Proctor, and Sasha, Sasha Stefanovic nails the game-winning three, and suddenly Purdue is still alive, pulling it from the deepest recesses of their collective colon. And I just... I, I got to admit what I, I had given up last night. They did not look good at all. And it's shocking that they were able to pull it off. But I think that's pretty much why Northwestern exists right now in the big 10. <laughs> you know, it's funny how like basketball really mimicked football last night. If you think about it, you know, both of them went to a last place Northwestern team struggled in the first half, looked like they were going to lose the game and then at the last moment, they pulled the game, pulled the win right out of their ass with the last minute, with the last second three pointer to win the game and to keep hopes for a postseason alive. Yeah, and it was. I I thought it was impressive. Uh, Sasha's three. I was kind of shocked that we didn't go to Harms or Trey down low, and. It was almost like Sasha, his previous attempts were too close because it was a no-doubter three. It was a just in-rhythm, like, 23, 24-footer, and he buried it. And just to be able to have that confidence. And I was, I'm thinking, why are we taking the three? Okay, sure. And even then, (laughs) Northwestern ran a heck of a play to get an open look to tie it themselves. Thankfully, they were kind enough to airball it. The game-winning play might have been one of the best executed plays of the season. Like when, because yeah. I've been I've been watching the replays all over, and it's just amazing how like in those just five seconds they were able to distribute the ball so much to the point where they could get Sasha open. Because I didn't watch it live, I I admit I had to tune out. I also had to go run some errands, um, and I was like, maybe I'm being a curse by watching this game. So maybe I was. <laughs> who knows? I also didn't watch the <laughs> Illinois game, so, you know, we don't know what's happening You didn't there. miss much. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Um, but, yeah, just watching it and then just seeing the way it was just executed perfectly, I have to say. And, I mean, I'm a doctor, so I'm going to give my official doctoral analysis here and just say that Purdue should have more 11-0 runs. They seem to help. Yes, uh, especially on the road. And I have no idea what... To, I still have no idea what to think of this team. Quote, um, quote unquote, road game. Yeah, I mean, it's... Let's face it, that's an easier road venue than even in Lincoln. And we had lost in Lincoln. 
So it was not going, you weren't going to get a better chance at a road win than this one. And I think that's what had me so frustrated last night is they couldn't get it done in a half empty arena that had a large number of Purdue fans there because of how close it is to West Lafayette and the number of Purdue grads that live in Chicago and everything else. And it's just, I still don't know what to think of this team. And it's such a, they can look so good for some moments and then they can just forget how to basketball for a number of moments. And I, I still don't have any confidence in any road game the rest of the way. But if you look at the computer numbers and you look at where everybody is in the big 10, they might be able to sneak into the tournament if they just win the five remaining home games. I'm starting to think that the computers like us because we probably made the computers. It's just all a conspiracy <laughs> here. Let's just admit it, you know? I think a few weeks ago I had looked it up, and with the way the computer rankings were, we could finish the season playing 20 Tier 1, uh, Quad 1, whatever you want to call it, games on the net rankings because of how strong the Big Ten is. And who we were able to play outside the conference with the the road game at Marquette, the neutral site game against Butler, the two games down in Florida, both being in tier one. And shockingly, one of those tier one games is not going to be Virginia unless they really get it together right now. I know. It's like we infected them or something. And that's the thing is you if Purdue say Purdue does win the last five home games. Three of them would fall under tier one uh, the way they are right now. And there's still plenty of time for Wisconsin, who I think is 32, and Michigan, who I think is 34, to get into the top 30. So their wins over them at home would be uh, on the first tier. And then suddenly you're looking at six or seven tier one wins, even if you go 17 and 14 overall. Welcome to to the Big Ten, everyone. It's just... and you go 10 and 10, you're not going to be playing Northwestern and Nebraska and Indy. So that's another shot at one, uh, getting one in, here in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's just kind of funny to think that ending the se- regular season against Rutgers would be such a... Who knew? Who figured that that would have been such a determining game at yeah, the beginning of the season? And, and against a top 20 team. And Penn State. Penn State is still top 25 as well. Okay, I'm, I got our schedule here on the Warren Nolan website. Uh, I, I will say this. Default. Okay. Just to talk about the craziness of the Big Ten. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of want Rutgers or Penn State to win the conference. I, th- I think it'd be interesting. I wouldn't mind Illinois either. Yeah, I just want someone who's been historically bad, or at least bad like the last decade, to win the conference. Just to be like, it's just been such a crazy season that we can't end and, it with like Michigan State or Maryland winning it or Iowa. Well, I know half the conference, I, th- I think I looked it up, since 1982, the conference has won, been only won by, I think, seven teams except for 1997 when Minnesota won it and then later had to vacate it. Now, granted, in that time, there were only, you know, at, for part of that, there were only 10 teams, uh, and then 11 was Penn State jumped in. But, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that it's kind of just – been handed off between Purdue, Indiana, Michigan State, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, you know, had the recent resurgence in Ohio State. And everybody uh-huh. else is just taking a back seat, really. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess Iowa has had a few close calls, and then like the month of February tends to happen for them. <laughs> so I'm looking here at the net rankings of the last nine games, and for it to be a Tier 1 home win, a team has to be in the top 30 when we beat them. Iowa's currently at 24. We've got them next. Uh, then you go to Indiana. They're at 52, but since that would be a road game, if we were to pull it off, that would be Tier 1. Uh, Penn State is at 23. Uh, when they come to West Lafayette, Ohio State is at 22, and that would be at Wisconsin. But being at 32, they're only two spots away from moving into the top 30, and we already have the home win over them. Then you've got Michigan at 31, which we could pull that off, and they're only one spot out of the top 30. Indiana again at 52, Iowa at Iowa at 24, and then Rutgers at 28. Like you said, the last game of the season against Rutgers could be a huge game. Just like we all predicted. I mean, <laughs> well, the, the one that I feel bad about, and I've already outed myself on Twitter with this one, was uh, when the season over under win totals were now, were put out early in the year. We're talking back in October and Purdue's over under was 20 wins. And I famously <laughs> go, only 20 wins hammered the over. Oh, Travis. Hey, we can still get there. We just have to win the last nine. <laughs> oh god yeah because I'm gonna... it, ha- it has to be regular season you can't count any big 10 tournament or postseason wins in there yeah yeah i'm glad uh you're i'm, I'm glad you uh don't have any money to bet i don't gamble i i don't gamble the the one sports bet i put down once was i bet on the Colts to beat the patriots in the playoffs and it went poorly <laughs> so you picked the wrong year to do that I should have done that in, what was that, 2007, 2006? Yeah, 2006. I mean, I was at that game in 2006, and it was amazing. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was, <laughs> as any Patriots loss would be. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, but, but going back to our schedule, we, we're currently 2-8 and eight against Quadrant 1. Uh, our two wins being Virginia Commonwealth and Michigan State. Uh, the VCU win is still holding pretty steady. Virginia really needs to get it together. They're at 58 in the net, so that's on Tier 2. Uh, but uh, they've got a lot of opportunities, and I know that they took a big jump here when they beat Florida State. And uh, But yeah, I mean, the computer rankings are fine, and if you win the last five home games, which is entirely possible, that might be enough. It would be the ugliest tournament birth ever i think for program history 
to get in. Say we lose that first Big Ten tournament game, we finish 17 and 15, but you're in the tournament then. I thought like the 2011, 2012 season, that's the ugliest so far, I'll say. Uh, I forget what we were that year. Uh, I, I think do remember we just got the 20 wins. Yeah, I think I think there were a few different ones. I know the one that really stood out to me was uh, 1999. Purdue finished with a losing record in the Big Ten. And I one of my uh, hills that I will die on is I don't believe any team with a losing record in conference play in any conference deserves an at-large bid. You know, I will I will go to bat for that forever because I would much rather have some mid-major that goes like 27 and 3 but has some bad luck and loses their uh, conference title game than some crappy ACC team that goes 17 and 15 and 8 and 10 in the conference sneak in. In 99 that's kind of what how Purdue got in. They were the consensus last team in and they ended up pulling two upsets and reaching the sweet 16. So, who knows. Yeah. I mean, Purdue could easily fall in like into 10, 11, 12 seed range. And that historically has, that's like the, those are the kind of seeds that can sneak their way into like their elite eight or something too. If we're, if we're, yeah, if we're trying to get too hopeful here. I mean, think, okay. I mean, you, you, you like to always point out how there've been what every year there's always been a sub eight seed, an eight seed or higher to make it to the final four. I think it was like five in the last six years. Last year was the right. one that broke it. Right. But it's like, out of VCU, like going back to like 2010, like at, not including like VCU and Loyola Chicago, like all those like high seeds were major conference teams. Mm-hmm. Like you had teams like Kentucky and UConn who made it to the final four as a high seed. So it's possible, you know, they, I mean, I don't think we had the talent of those kind of teams, but it's entirely possible for a, for a, a major conference school to shake things up as a high seed. But well, you're the we one need... that has always you're the one that's always said that if we make the final four, it's going to happen in a year where we least expect it. This is very true. This is very true. But let's first get into the tournament. Got to we got we got to focus on that. I mean, who knows? Okay, Maybe so... Purdue just really wants to play in Mackey this March, so they're aiming for the NIT final four. <laughs> so I looked it up here. 2012 Purdue was 10 and eight in the Big Ten. And 22 and 13 overall, they won a game in the tournament over St. Mary's. So that was a win. And they won their first round big 10 tournament game against Nebraska. They had 20 regular season wins and went 10 and eight in the big 10. Looks like our big non-conference wins where we beat Miami in the ACC big 10 challenge. We beat temple down in Puerto Rico (laughs) and Ooh, Oh goodness. That's about it. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was beating, it was winning at Michigan. That kind of sealed it. Yes, well. like, at they, number eleven, Michigan. They didn't drop. Big one. They didn't drop any deuces at home. Like, yeah, still lost at home to like IU, but they didn't have any bad losses at home. Almost had one with High Point, and yeah, just had to get that big road win. So Purdue could be on a similar track this year. They just need to not lose any more home games. And maybe steal one on the road. I kind of think that we could beat Wisconsin on the road. And I think that's just because I think we're a very bad matchup for Wisconsin, honestly. And we've always done really well. And Painter has had probably the most success of any coach in the Big Ten at 
Wisconsin. Yeah, but then I also remember two years ago when they dropped oh, the deuce yeah. in Madison as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was I, bad. I, I, I'm just taking this one game at a time, honestly. Like, just got to deal with Iowa. Just beat Iowa, and then we'll talk. Because uh, I, I have zero confidence in beating Indiana this year in Indiana. Oh, yeah. That is not going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I I don't think I don't think last night's win gave me confidence in the season. It's just that we're not dead yet. Yeah, and, and I know there was a big argument in our comment section about oh the season wouldn't have been over. They wouldn't have been dead. They'd have been dead. You can't lose at Nebraska and at Northwestern and expect to still contend and fight for, you know, fight for anything. That would have been two bad losses. I don't see any way we would have won another road game against anybody else. And, and I did just, they would, it would have been a crippling blow really, I think. Yeah. This season has, uh, I've tuned out for a lot of games. I've been following a lot of them on Twitter and instead of watching them live. And I'm kind of, kind of glad I have, I've got enough stress in my life. I don't need to be adding more. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? What stress is there? <laughs> Travis. <laughs> I, I, like like you said, at least they're not dead. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond on Wednesday night against our most hated rival. Uh, I don't know what to think of Iowa. I have not seen much of them. But I know that one of the comparisons that I saw was they're a lot like our team two years ago with a dominant big man in Garza and a bunch of guys that can shoot threes. Which yeah. obviously gives gives me some concern. Yeah, but they've also lost at Nebraska, so yeah. there's some hope there. We have some similarities. I thought, yeah, they did lose at Nebraska. So let's face it, this has been a different team in Mackey Arena this year. Illinois game aside, and final five minutes of the uh, final five minutes of the Texas game aside, but yeah, they've been a different team, and that is one thing that really kind of stood out to me last night talking about that Texas game is we basically had the Texas game in reverse last night in that we should have beaten Texas. We have the ball up five with three minutes losing that game. Uh-huh. And that's really kind of what happened to Northwestern last night. They got a little too conservative and missed a couple of shots. And suddenly, you know, you hit a couple of threes and you're right back in it. Yeah, it's, it's really just, I think the difference is that I feel like our defense is just much more sound in Mackey. Because the offense, we're averaging, what, in Big Ten play? Around 50, 60 points a game? I think so, yeah. Like, and, 70, and 70, then, 70 has always been the magical number under Painter. Like, score 70 in regulation, and it's almost always a win. And that's the crazy thing about the offense is if we look so bad, but we played Virginia, who is, even with their own offensive struggles, is still one of the best defensive teams, if not the best defensive team in the nation. And... That was probably our best game offensively, to be quite honest. And we didn't even hit 70 in that game. We hit 69. Nice. Nice. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just just Virginia. That's the difference, though. It's really the defense being able to uh, really shut teams down. Like, mm-hmm. did it to Wisconsin, did it to Michigan State, did it to Virginia. So it's really all about the defense showing up because we know we can't trust the offense. Mm-hmm. And then the only one that's kind of... You know, I'll give Illinois credit. They came in and just kicked their ass uh, in Mackey. But I think that that's another one of those. They are just a terrible matchup for us, much like 
we are a terrible matchup for Wisconsin. And that may end up deciding a lot of things in the Big Ten this year. Let's hope. That's we can only hope. <laughs> like we can be a terrible matchup for them, but I've I've just I've just given up on going on that line because we're also because because Purdue is just also a terrible matchup for Purdue. They can yeah, bring themselves it's down. True. It's just completely inconsistent offense. Like, and you can't just completely rely on Isaiah Thompson, Eric Hunter, and Travion Williams. Like, those it, are the it, three it, consistencies of the team. But you got these huge other question marks that come in. Who and there, there's also just there's one possession a game where we dribble around for 29 seconds and Nogel suddenly has the ball 20 feet from the basket and we don't know how that <laughs> happened. Uh, there's at least one possession a game where Nogel drives in or somebody drives into the middle and just makes an inexplicable pass straight out of bounds like last night. Uh, but then there's the good. There is at least one possession a game where we will miss a horrific three-pointer only to have Trey come, you know, grab the rebound and tap it back in or get it and score in a putback. I just don't know anymore. At this point, it's I don't know. Cedar Point is going to build a roller coaster off uh, off Purdue season, and it'll be the top roller coaster of the year. I bet. I I just want to make the tournament. I think that you know some people are like, well, if we make the NIT, we're gaining experience for next year. No, you don't play for the NIT. No. And honestly, to get in the NIT, you've got to finish with a winning record. And as I keep seeing these computer numbers come through and everything else. It's hard for me to see us not finishing with the winning record and not having a strong enough profile to squeeze into the tournament. So mm-hmm. it's almost like it's the NCAAs or bust. We're going to be, we're either going to be good enough for the NCAAs or we're going to finish like 15 and 16 and be ineligible for the NIT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And, there's no, and, and so I just, I just would like to make the tournament just keep that streak alive. I think it can be good. Uh, and for better or worse, most of this team is going to be back next year. And who knows who, you know, how we replace Boudreaux, who is all over the map or Proctor, who is all over the map. Obviously we can never replace loose, but (laughs) I don't know. I just, I just don't know. (laughs) I just don't know. And it's so frustrating. It's, it's not fun to watch, and then they do something like last night, and I'm like, okay, I'm watching and celebrating the highlights of beating friggin' Northwestern. Oh, man. This has been a very entertaining podcast where we're both just like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this season so far. <laughs> we're going to love it. Uh, yes. And thankfully, we will put you out of your misery soon because the halftime show is over, which means the third quarter is going to start. It looked like a good show. I couldn't tell. I had I was It was muted. Um, I'll, I'll see what the Twitterverse says about it, and then I'll watch the replay on YouTube. Our, our actual uh, our actual analysis of Purdue basketball was about as thin as the outfit that J-Lo was wearing. So, hey! hey. <laughs> on that note. Oh my god, this is a terrible lo- local commercial for some uh, lawyer for Daryl Isaacs, the hammer. This is like the worst lawyer commercial I have ever seen. Oh god. Anyway, on that note. Alrighty, so 
we thank you for listening. Uh, sorry that our podcasts have been so infrequent. I know that we are talking about having another Let's Get Real podcast before too long. And what the, now there's a midget on here. Okay, <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this for you. So I don't know when we'll be back on with a podcast. We're hoping to do a Let's Get Real Sports podcast with Paul, but that might be closer towards springtime because I think they want to do something more baseball related. So, but we'll try to get another basketball podcast out here uh, before the regular season ends. Um, yeah. So for Travis Taylor, I'm on Crespo, and thank you for listening.